Hi, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophia. And you're listening to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedies seriously. Today in Every Rom-Com, we'll travel to India, London, and L.A. Discuss an international cast, including one of the most popular actresses in the world. And find out if it really is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man with a large fortune must be in want of a wife. As we talk about Gurinder Chadha's 2004 musical modernization of Jane Austen, Bride and Prejudice. So, Sophia, it's only been a week, but it feels like a really long week because I've been researching Bride and Prejudice, having so much fun doing that, and just finding a million other things I wanted to watch. How's your week been? Okay. Um, I got a little um, off on my sleep. Like, oh. I didn't get enough of it. So when that happens, I'm like, I'm down. I'm down for the count. So, sadly, I wished I'd watched this earlier to do all the research that then I would have wanted to go yeah. down the rabbit hole in so I can touch on it briefly later but other than yeah. that getting sleep not having enough sleep I totally relate when you don't it's the worst so I hope this next week works out better for you on that thank front you. thank you so far so good the last couple of days so well, what's, what's been driving me crazy is like when we do this podcast, like literally every week, there's about three, four, five minimum more movies that I want to watch because I watched the one movie and did research on it and then found out what else this person directed, what else they acted in. It's driving me nuts. Yeah, same. Totally. That's <laughs> I was with this one too. I'm like, oh, I want to watch all the versions of Pride and Prejudice and, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And totally the same for this one was really wishing I had more time. And I'm like all about trying to watch all of Gurinder Chadha's things, which we'll talk about a little more when we talk about her. But my God, she has such a filmography. I'm just like so excited to get into that. Like yeah. when I have some more time, if that happens. Right. Okay. So some things we have to do some housekeeping. Um, we're losing one of our hosts, which is very sad. We're going to be losing Sybil Solon. Um, she has some other projects that she needs to commit more time to that she didn't know she would need to commit more time to. And we're very sad to see her go. Uh, but hopefully she'll be back as a guest host sometime in the future. And we're probably going to look at getting some other people to jump in with us sometimes or to just podcast with one of us from time to time. So it won't just only be Sophia and I, but I hope you guys will be happy with Sophia and I all the same. <laughs> I think I think we do a good job. I think so too. <laughs> so if you want to tell us about how we're doing, uh, you can email us at feedback at everyromcom.com. And you can visit our website, which is coming up soon. These podcasts have all been recorded before the website is up, but it will be coming soon at everyromcom.com will be our website. And yeah. Uh, oh yeah. We should also mention there will be a spoiler free section in every show at the beginning of the show. We will try not to give you spoilers about the end of the movie. And then we'll alert you when we're getting into the spoiler section. This is a this is another in our series of modernizations of literature. And next week we will be following up the Jane Austen movies with some Shakespeare. We're going to be doing 10 Things I Hate About You. That is something to look forward to for sure. 
Okay. So if we're ready to get into Pride and Prejudice, let's hear a little bit from the trailer. From the director of Bended Like Beckham. She's Balraj, where the hell have you brought me? This is your first Indian wedding, right? What's happening now? The Indian version of American Idol. I hope you brought your earplugs. Comes the tale of a modern woman in a traditional family. They came from two different worlds. Look around you. We're in Hicksville, India. He's such a conceited, arrogant. Hello, Lolita. Would you like to dance? Yes. So, I believe we're coming to your house for dinner tomorrow night. Stand straight, smile, and don't say anything too intelligent. You. She practices what she preaches. He was unaccustomed to her customs. I just find the whole arranged marriage thing a little backwards. She was unimpressed with his success. I'm sure you think India's beneath you. And why would I be thinking about buying this place? <laughs> you think this is India? Hey! But in a land <laughs> where marriage is arranged. Why is he coming here? Lalita is unspoken for. Lalita. Lalita. Yeah. Love will make arrangements of its own. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard you laughing a little bit during the, the trailer. Love will make arrangements of its own. I mean, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty clever. I don't That's know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it makes me smile. The trailer makes me smile. The movie makes me smile for sure. Totally. Totally. What <laughs> what a good time. So Bride and Prejudice was released in the UK in 2004. I believe it might have been released a year later in America, but in 2000 it was a UK film, so it was released in 2004 and directed as the trailer indicated by Gurinder Chadha, who directed Bend It Like Beckham, which is probably her best known film at least in America. And it was written by Gurinder Chada and her husband. I did not know this man was her husband before now. Paul Maeda, I think Burgess, B-E-R-G-E-S. I, I, I memorized so many different names for this and I didn't memorize his. But apparently she and her husband have been writing and uh, working on movies together for basically most of her career. Um, yeah, he's been her co-writer on a ton of movies and her AD, her assistant director on a lot of things. So And production too. So that's pretty cool. Do you, have you, were you familiar with him? No, I wasn't. Oh, but okay. like, whenever we do a podcast, so one of the things I do is I always look through IMDb and I click on sure. basically everyone. And I'm like, who knows what interesting fact I'm going to learn about this person. And usually that pays off really well. I'm like, wow, like I had no idea the connections with some of these people, you know? Right. I, I, I love Bend It Like Beckham. I own it. Um, listen to her commentary on that, but I don't at all remember her mentioning her, her husband (laughs) as as like a significant, like writing partner, co-director or anything like that. I, Maybe well, not she co-director, did. not okay. co-director, but like, you know, assistant, how they have assistant directors, you know. On sure. Movie. You know, working with her in some capacity or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. So I was like, oh, that's nice. I feel like maybe they're not trying to draw attention to the fact that they're married and just have him get his own respect as, you know, a professional. Sure. Yeah, on his own. So I don't know. I'm not sure what the reasoning is. But yeah, I thought it was pretty cool, though, like to be able to work on something like that with your significant other. Yeah, for sure. So one thing that really strikes me about this movie is like 
it being a fusion and inter- a fusion of different cultures, international movie. Like, um, so apparently I found out that to be called a British film, which gets you all kinds of different tax benefits, I guess, in Britain, mm. like the government requires that 70% of the film be shot in the UK. And I believe has to use UK cast and crew. But even despite that, they have a ton of cast members who are originally from India. They've got uh, people from the Indian diaspora who are from the UK um, they have New Zealand actors, American actors, actually not very many American actors, but like, yeah, people are from all over working on this film. And there were mm-hmm. people who had grown up in the tradition of Bollywood film and Hollywood and UK film all working on the movie together. I think it makes such an interesting flavor. Absolutely. It's, I mean, several scenes with so many extras Mm. And these shots that come from, you know, up above and I'm looking at all these people. And I'm like, how in the world did they get everyone to cooperate and like do the thing? Like, it's just so tons of people. Yeah. It just looked huge. Yeah. And then you've got crews with different working styles, learning how to work together on that at the same time, which is pretty awesome. I think it and, is. Yeah. So it seems like you liked the film, like you had an overall favorable opinion. I did. I did. It was like, you know, over the top, um, which was fantastic, though. You know, you've got to you got to go with that. Um, yeah. And, and it's obvious from the beginning. So no surprises. But like if that's not your cup of tea, well, it's not your cup of tea. But just know that you're going to go in and they're singing and dancing and there's color. And, and I loved it, especially yeah. this past week where the sky has just been mm. white and the ground is white and there's been no sun. It's just so depressing. I leave every light on in the house because it's like, I just need some light around here. Um, I didn't think of it that way, but I guess, yeah, it's kind of a curative a little bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, I watched this movie for the first time um, because I was, I'm an Austin fan. And so I'll watch almost everything based on Austin novels. Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is an exception, and it's, I know it sounds silly, but I once read an interview with the author of that book who was, like, insulting Jane Austen and, like, oh. talking about how stuffy she was. And I'm like, dude, if you're going to profit off of Jane Austen, like, I'm not going to read your thing and I'm not going to watch your movie. Because <laughs> basically, you're taking Jane Austen and using it as a gimmick for your zombie movie, and now you're going to make profits off of her. Like, have some respect. That's all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But I feel like this movie has a lot of respect for Austin. Like, weirdly for me, for me, this is one of the most faithful to the spirit adaptations of Jane Austen, despite being both modernized and set in a completely different culture. Mm-hmm. It just seems like it hits the themes just right of the yeah. book. I agree with you. I was yeah. like, wow, this is, you know, in a way to keep that, like, oh, we, we think about... Um, arranged marriages or um, marriage of like class issues and stuff like that is something of the past, but this fit really well. And I'm like, no, there's, you know, go to different places in the world. And that's really still front and center and complicated. So those unfamiliar with the original book, Bride or Pride and Prejudice, um, we'll give you a little bit of the plot outline. So our main characters are Lolita and Jaya. They're they're the oldest sisters of the Bakshi family. And they're based, of course, Lolita is Elizabeth Bennett. Jaya is Jane Bennett from the original novels. 
So they live in the country with their parents and their two younger sisters. And Jane Austen, there's three younger sisters, but we'll talk about that later. Um, Their mom is desperate for them to marry. And just like the mom in Pride and Prejudice is desperate for them to marry. And at a wedding celebration for one of her friends, Jaya meets Balraj, a rich Indian expat who lives in London. And they seem to be falling in love with each other. Balraj is substituting in here for Mr. Bingley, who is also kind of a rich guy from, I think, London also. Mm -hmm. Lalita, meanwhile, is not impressed with his friend Darcy, uh, who she thinks is arrogant and has colonialist attitudes towards India. Whether he really does or not, you know, we can discuss later. But Lalita's Elizabeth, Darcy is Darcy. (laughs) They kept him the same. And then Balraj, Jaya, Darcy, Lalita, and Balraj's sister, Kiran, are go to Goa together. And Goa is kind of like a resort area of India where a lot of international people go to party. And there, Lalita ends up meeting Wickham, also the same name, but he is not a soldier in the modernization. He's just kind of, I don't know, he's just kind of a, his, her mom describes him as a hippie, but yeah, uh, kind of a vagabond. Yeah, it looks like he's backpacking around. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And Darcy really doesn't like Wickham for reasons unknown at the moment. And then once they get home from Goa, a f- distant relative named Mr. Coley shows up. And he wants to marry one of the daughters and ends up focusing on Lolita. So that's the spoiler-free plot to get you introduced to the movie. And how, question, like we talked last week, you're not a huge Austin fan, but how familiar are you with Pride and Prejudice as a story? I've read it three times over the years. Oh, well there. Um, It might be time to try again. So, I would go with Persuasion if you've never read it. I actually think Persuasion is my the best Austin book. Really? Okay. Yeah. And if you've and if you haven't read it, like it give you something a little different. Okay. She's I'll my favorite heroines. Really? <laughs> Ooh, okay. Exciting. But yeah, so you've read it. Okay. And you'd uh-huh. seen, I think you said you'd seen the the BBC series. The BBC. Mm-hmm. Which I think is the definitive. Like, I don't understand this Kira Knightley business. It just doesn't uh, work yeah, for me. I know. I know. Well, I wanted, I wasn't going to ever watch it. I'm like, I'm never going to watch it. What's the point? But then in light of this, I was like, I should give it a shot. And then I, I, I ran out of time. So yeah, um, no, don't worry about it. It's like, <laughs> I don't No, Honestly, like, I don't understand how anyone who's never read Pride and Prejudice would even understand what's happening in the Kira Knightley version. Really? No, offense, no offense to Kira Knightley. She's uh-huh. fine. But like, it's just too condensed. It doesn't give you the beats in the right way. Like this movie though is also short, but it still manages to give you the beats and music. So I don't know what that means. Excuses. <laughs> and dance numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. Well, good. Then forget it. I'm going to yeah. read. Anyway, anyway, Colin Firth is like, come on. <laughs> Best. Yeah, yeah. He's so good that they actually made him be Darcy and Bridget Jones's diary too. So <laughs> Which really, like, okay, one thing I've re- realized uh, this week was a revelation I had was the only reason they made Bridget Jones's diary is for people who really wanted to see Elizabeth Bennett sleep with Wickham and Darcy. <laughs> okay, red. I can deal with that. Um, anyway, that's an aside. Well, that's funny. Once we get around to Bridget Jones's diary, we can talk about that. Okay, so let's, um, before we get into more of the story, though, because that'll lead us to spoilers, we're going to talk a little bit about the amazing director and cast of this movie, because I think that's one of the things that makes the movie great is this fusion cast and crew. So Gurinder Chadha, wow. Impressive woman. She is. 
she's kind of like, you know, just a role model to yeah. look, look toward. I did not even realize how much she had directed, to be honest. You know, I I know like her, her top three movies, but just her, you know, I'll let you go on and talk about okay. her background. And I think that that's just, I just think it's really cool what she's done. So she was like, she was born in Kenya, but her family moved to London when she was quite young. And her father was Sikh and he often had prejudice for wearing the turban and the beard. And I mean, that's still ongoing today. There's Sikh people face a lot of prejudice. Um, she, just like her character in Bendit Lake Beckham, she rebelled against the traditional expectations of Indian women. And she did not want to stay in the kitchen and cook. She did not want to wear traditional clothes. I don't know if she played football. I'm not sure about that. But yeah, otherwise she mirrors her characters a lot. Mm-hmm. And she got her start in film um, by working on documentaries and radio and TV. And then she eventually went into films. She did a short and then she did Baji on the Beach, which was released in 1994. I saw it a long time ago, but to be honest, I don't remember it very well. It was very critically acclaimed, though. Have you ever seen that one? No, not yet. Yeah. And her other well-known films, as you said, Bend It Like Beckham and Blinded by the Light. And lately, she's been still working on some cool things. In 2017, she did a movie called Viceroy's House, which has Gillian Anderson in it, and the father from Downton Abbey. I cannot remember the actor's name off the top of my head. But that's a historical movie. And she's doing a historical TV show, too, called Beecham House, which I actually decided to watch the first episode of, which was pretty cool. Like, for a TV show, it had very high production values, and it's also a, a period piece set in, like, 1795 in India. So, Ooh. yeah, yeah, no, it was pretty interesting so far. And, yeah, she, like, as we mentioned before, she often collaborates with her husband, and they met at a film festival in the mid-90s, and they have twins that were born in 2007. So she's doing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is, just, like, the other films you know of of hers, mainly Beckham, or have you seen any other things from hers just that you liked? Mainly Beckham, and I've watched okay. it a lot, <laughs> um, which is fine. My daughter um, liked the music in it, and so we kind of, when she was a little smaller, and so we just kind of, like, Fast forward to the music parts and the mu- the dancing and stuff like that. I don't even remember the music and dancing from that one. There was, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's definitely music, and the I think they the kind of only dancing that really happens is at um, the wedding. Yeah, there's a wedding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then we've got, and for this movie, we also have just a ridiculous cast and crew. Oh my god! So first of all. Ashwarya Rai, who is now named Ashwarya Rai Bachchan, is probably one of the top stars in the entire world, but a lot of Americans have never heard of her. Had you heard of her? Did you know her? She looked familiar. I'm like, come on, with a with with a face like that, it's got to mean something. And and she was the winner of Miss World in 1994, so that that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've seen her. Yes, of course, I've seen her around. So. Yeah, she's been in a couple other Western movies, but mostly her work has been in Indian film. And but she like she has a ridiculous level of success. And her husband, Abhishek Bachchan, he is actually the son of Amitabh Bachchan, who is even possibly even more famous in Bollywood. Like she's they're basically like royalty there. Like apparently there was one of the scenes in Bride and Prejudice um, filmed on a balcony overlooking the Golden Temple 
they had to have 400 police officers to keep away her fans wow. from, from that area to keep her safe and to make sure that they could film the scene. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane. And let's see, what else is important to tell about Ashwarya Rai? Um, some of her famous films in India are Devdas, which I have seen. I remember that being even more extra than this. Something called Doom 2 and Guru. I have not watched them yet, but I want to watch some of them because I really do like Bollywood film. It's just with so many movies to watch, I don't sometimes get around to them because like Bollywood movies are long. Like how long? <laughs> Three or um, four hours? Two and a half is about the shortest you're going to find usually. Whoa. Um, okay. There's my, one of my favorite, maybe probably my favorite Bollywood film is called Lagan. And that is not with Ashwarya Rai. That one's like four hours. It's a great movie, but it, but it's a commitment. It's a commitment. <laughs> That's like, for me, it'd be a span of four days. I'd watch an hour one day and then have to go do other stuff and then come back to it, which is not the most fun way to watch anything, yeah. but yeah. Um, that's life goes sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Take me days. But you really, you get your bang for your buck with your Bollywood films, for sure. And weird fact that I found out, she, Ashwarya Rai was actually in another uh, Bollywood Jane Austen adaptation. So I guess they did an adaptation of Sense and Sensibility. I forgot to write the title of that down. It would have taken a lot to pronounce it anyway. It's quite long. But um, I will try to put it, remember to put it in the show notes in case anybody's interested in finding awesome. it. Yeah. Cool. And then we've got Naveen Andrews. Oh, my God. Very hot. <laughs> I know. Not the priority here, but, like, did you did you ever watch Lost? No, a little bit in the beginning, but I never got into it. But I, he came on to it, and I'm like, wait, I know him, too. And that's what it's from. So, you yeah. Know. Yeah. He, yeah, he's best known probably in the States for playing Saeed Jarrah on Lost. Um and he's also been an English patient, Planet Terror, The Brave One, um, the movie about Diana, uh, Princess Diana, which I did not see. And I guess he was on Sense8, which I also did not see. But he's he's awesome, too. He was born in London. His parents are both Indian immigrants. He's got this really, like, uh, kind of British accent, thick British accent in real life. And, yeah, I love him. I think he, he plays um, Balraj, who is Bingley in the film. And I, I give him votes for the hottest Bingley ever. <laughs> yeah usually the character is kind of like i don't know a little goofy um, goofy Vivian. yeah jovial chum yeah. who's just oh, everything's wonderful and um yeah, yeah this, this one <laughs> he was he was just, yeah he's sitting around with his shirt off relaxing on the balcony looking looking hot i'm just like yeah and then Darcy is played by somebody who I think is actually less hot, but you know, sorry, sorry, Martin Henderson, but um, he was chosen for his hotness though, apparently, but I figured out why his American accent is a little strange. He's actually from New Zealand. So, okay. Yeah. That, that made sense. <laughs> but he's, he's had quite a career as well. I was like, Oh, who's this guy? And then I'm like, Oh, Grey's Anatomy guy, Virgin river, which is, you know, a big, binge-worthy show on Netflix now. Do you watch either of those, like, by any chance, or? No. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> they're huge, but, like, I, yeah. I never get it. I don't either. Gonna... He was in The Ring, but I didn't recognize him from The Ring, so. But I he was understand. in it. I think he was the main guy, actually. And then he was, um, apparently, this is his interesting fact, apparently he knew Heath Ledger at the beginning of Heath Ledger's career, and they were actually roommates for a while. Yeah. when Heath Ledger was first coming up. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. 
Totally. And now let's go on to Jaya. Jaya is played, that's the Jane Bennett character, played by Namrata Shirodkar. I think I got the name well. She was also a beauty contest winner. She was Miss India in 1993. And she did, she's really only did primarily Bollywood films. And she seems to have actually dropped out of acting shortly after Bride and Prejudice, around the same time she got married. So I'm assuming she probably gave up her career I mean, I can't say for sure, but this is all I could find out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. She was also really good in the film, I thought, though. Yeah. Agreed. Now, An- Anupam Kier, who plays Mr. Bakshi, their parents, the Bennett's, the Mr. Bennett character, you might have seen him in a bunch of things. Does he look mm-hmm. familiar to you? Well, I know him from the as the dad from Bend It Like Beckham. That's right. That's and, wonderful. And um, in Silver Lining Playbooks, he plays the, the doctor, the psychiatrist. Yeah. Uh, what have you. Um, but having seen the extras from Bennett, like Beckham, he has, he's huge. He's yeah. a huge star. He has a, and as you have put here, 432 acting credits. That's amazing. Yep. yep. That's amazing. Yeah. He's one of those guys that just kind of pops up and you're like, Oh, it's that guy again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I was excited to, to see him in the movie. And then I had, oh my God, Indira Varma, it was driving me crazy. I could, I had no idea where I knew her from. She plays Kieran, who's um, Balraj's sister or the Caroline Bingley character. She was in Game of Thrones. And as soon as I saw that on IMDb, I'm like, duh, she's Ilaria Sand. So that right. might be something most people would know her from in America since Game of Thrones was huge. But um, she also weirdly, weirdly enough, she her film debut was the movie Kama Sutra, A Tale of Love. And she actually not only acted with Naveen Andrews, who plays her brother in Bride and Prejudice, they actually made out in that movie. Okay. <laughs> so I know it's silly. It's just like actors doing different roles, but I'm like, you're making out with your brother. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. I know it's silly. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yeah. And I'd seen the Kama Sutra movie like ages ago, like when I was in high school and I was trying to find like, you know, forbidden movies to watch. <laughs> 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 well, I mean, it was, you know, somehow you got a hold of it. Oh, yeah, dude, right. dude, well, ones that my parents probably wouldn't be like excited about me watching, but Martin was happy to, to, let for sure. Right. Yeah. Like Martin hooked you up, right? That's yeah, hilarious. He didn't judge. He didn't judge. No, no. And I guess Indira Varma was also in the shows, TV shows, Rome and Carnival Row. And she's done a lot of other work, but I just haven't heard of it. Like, I don't know if you know her from anything else. Uh, she looked familiar was the only thing I'm like, Oh, I've seen her too. So do you watch game of Thrones? Is that where you knew her or something else? Probably. You know, I, here's the thing, like all these mega huge stuff that everybody loves. I don't actually see it. Well, first yeah, of all, that was on HBO. No I don't have HBO. I've saw, I've seen glimpses of it and I'm like, yeah. too much violence and horror. Sorry. Can't, can't get past it anymore. Yeah. And, um, but I subscribe to entertainment weekly oh, okay. and, and those shows were on the cover yeah. every other week. So I would skim through and just kind of get, um, you know, s- slightly in the know. Yeah. With, yeah. Um, the hot stuff out there. But, and I'm like, that's good enough. Now I don't need to watch them. Okay. So, so then the next character on our list is Nitin Ganatra, who I might be pronouncing his names wrong. I'm sorry about that. I, I, I'm impressed. It sounds good. And I well, you know. way to give it a shot. I've been like, sorry, I can't. 
Well, what, a trick you can use if you're interested in learning to pronounce difficult names is you go on YouTube and oftentimes if you search for how to pronounce and then put the oh, name in, they, yeah. there's little videos where they'll have people pronouncing names of popular people from different countries. I used to show that to my Korean students when I taught in Korea a lot, like because they would have trouble with English names so sure. yeah, or European names. So it's kind of a cool trick. So Neaton Ganatra, he was um, Mr. Coley, who's the Mr. Collins substitute. And like, oh my God, I thought he, for me, he was the most impressive performance or the funniest in the movie anyway. He was hilarious. Oh my God. Like, and Mr. Collins in the 1995 show was so good that I was like, how could you even get close? But yeah, he he did a really interesting take. Well, I mean, the script did a really interesting take, but he sold it. So he Mm -hmm. was also a... um, part of the Indian diaspora. He was born in Kenya, but moved to UK as a child. And he played, he does bad dancing in the movie, but apparently he used to be a break dancer. And in, he's known for being on the show EastEnders, which is really popular in the UK. I've never seen it. And I guess he also appeared in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and a lot of other things, but just not things I know of. But I just wanted to shout him out because he's so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then you were excited to see... <laughs> Alexis Bledel. All of a sudden, I was like, what? What is nowhere? Not on anything. Did you any site, any kind of blurb review or whatever? Nothing, no mention of her. And out she comes um, as Georgie, which is uh, Darcy's younger sister. Yeah, and yeah. Um, she's just has a small part, couple short scenes. But um, this was like at the you know height of her you know stardom she was it was between seasons maybe five and six of gilmore girls and she had also done sisterhood of traveling pants at the same time sin city mm-hmm. and obviously most recently um the handmaid's tale so yeah, she disappeared for a while for the most part and then she just came back recently with the handmaid's tale yeah which well, I, she was if so you good follow in that. her she's popped up in other she's been she i know but like not like huge you know what i mean like it seemed suppose, like she yeah. was off the radar for a while and then when she came back with the handmaid's tale she was just so good in that like she mm-hmm. kind of grabbed people's attention again so one other creator i was really excited to learn about from this movie was the choreographer oh my god so the choreographer saroj khan she is the first woman choreographer in bollywood so she, in her career, was about a 40-year career. She choreographed more than 3,000 songs. That's huge. Wow. And she actually, she has a very unique origin story. So she started dancing in films at age three. And then she was set up to marry a choreographer at age 13. So, I mean, this was a while ago and in India. So different times, different cultures. Mm-hmm. But the, the choreographer she married was actually 43 at the time. <laughs> but she ended up learning choreography from him, though. They had some children, but then they eventually separated and then she remarried. And eventually she started working as uh, the main choreographer. She'd done some assistant choreography, but then she became the main choreographer in the mid 70s. And she started to get sort of fame for her work in the late 80s. And apparently she died this past year. Wow. A great creator lost this last year into Mm -hmm. 2020. Mm. And one reason we, I want to point out this choreographer, not only because of like what an immense career she had, but like Naveen Andrews had never danced before doing this movie, apparently. I mean, maybe wow. he dan- I don't know. Maybe he danced like like in an amateur fashion in his personal life, but he had never danced in a movie. He didn't know any like, you know, professional level dancing. She taught him how to do the dances for this movie. And he is great. Yeah. 
Like I wow. almost thought he had a body double. I'm like, can Vivian Andrews really dance that well? <laughs> Get out. Wow. Yeah. No, I wouldn't have known that that was like his first time. Yeah. Doing big choreographed numbers and whatnot. Well, so everyone, like, I didn't have the access to the special features except by watching some of them on YouTube that people had uploaded, but everyone seemed to have great respect for her work. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you just, they're, they're great creators hidden in all these movies. So let's talk Bollywood a little bit. Like, am I, do I remember correctly? I think we talked and you had not really seen Bollywood films. Correct. Or, okay. Like, like zero, like zero. Wow. Okay. I mean, I guess it's not that uncommon. Most people don't. So like the reason I came in to started watching Bollywood films was I lived in Seattle for a while and they would sometimes show them at the um, the theaters there and in Portland too. And that's when I actually saw Lagan, the movie I talked about before. It was so long and had an intermission. And oh, actually also Monsoon Wedding, Miranair's film Monsoon Wedding got me into watching Bollywood films. Okay. So I love, I love, I love the music. I love, I love musicals. So like I just Bollywood really attracted me. So even though a lot of us in America aren't very aware of Bollywood, it is actually the world's biggest film industry. And it produces three times as many movies per year as Hollywood. And apparently it sells over 2 billion movie tickets a year. Maybe not this last year. <laughs> Things right. are a little different. Mm-hmm. And this was all from a BBC documentary that I got this information. Um, Bollywood is named for Bombay, but now Bombay is Mumbai, but yeah, that's where the name comes from. And like in Bollywood films, there's like a number of different conventions and tropes that you'll see all the time, like obviously music and dance numbers, and they'll come out of nowhere. They won't necessarily seem very, uh, organic. Plot driven. Yeah. Yeah. They don't necessarily seem to like make sense always. Sometimes they just come out of nowhere. (laughs) And there's like really exaggerated, big emotions and, kind of a less cynical feeling, you know, people are more enthusiastic about things and there'll be unrealistic kind of feeling things. Like people end up like wandering around the Alps for no reason. You're like, how did they get there? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Like Bride and Prejudice definitely dials it back a little bit. This is not like a Bollywood film. Like Gurinder Chada was like, I want this to be like a UK, like tribute to Bollywood film, like a fusion, a mix. So Yeah. And that, like I said, they'll be really long. So how did you think it worked to bring that touch to, to a classic, this Bollywood touch? I love it. I love it. I mean, I love musicals as well. So if you're going to, I say, why not, you know, take something and have fun? Yeah. Would you say this would make you more likely to want to seek out a Bollywood movie or like? Yeah, it would. Um, with the caveat that it's going to take me days to watch something, but, um, uh, yeah. yeah. So there's like a ton of like random hidden Bollywood movies on Netflix, just for anyone who's interested too. Like, like, I don't know what you plug in exactly. I get them recommended to me sometimes because I'll watch adjacent things, but yeah, they'll show up on Netflix and Prime if you like go looking for them. So yeah, just FYI. Thank you. So let's see. Let's talk about, we're going to do a little more talking before we get to the spoilers okay zone. Let's talk about the modernization of the different themes in Pride and Prejudice. So in Pride and Prejudice, you've got uh, the Bennets are kind of what they would call landed gentry. So they have like a house, they have maybe a couple servants, and they're, they don't have to work for a living, like which was considered very you know, underclass to have to work, right? Mm-hmm. In in Regency era. 
So the father is kind of like a gentleman, but like they don't have money. They're kind of poor, poor, rich people, basically. Right. They're still like, we have nothing. What will we do? And then two servants come out with tea and you're like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. But it would have meant like at that time, like, like falling from one class down to another class would be like a huge thing in that time. Like you wouldn't have the same friends. You wouldn't be able to have the same associates. Basically it would control basically every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. So this was like, for them, this was like a big deal. Like we have to marry our daughters off, you know, et cetera. They like, and in the book, Pride and, Pride and Prejudice, there's this pressure that they have to get married um, because they're not going to be able to inherit their own house because it has to go to Mr. Collins in the book. Right. In, the, in this story, there's no such pressure. They, there was a deleted scene, I guess, where like they have a lot of bills coming in and like okay. Mr. Bennett's trying to run a farm, but it's not going necessarily well yet. But yeah, whatever. They don't have all the same pressure, but this, in this movie, um, it's not just class though. We're dealing with the complications of different cultures Mm -hmm. in this, in this movie, you've got the Bennett's are sort of set against Balraj, who's kind of the Indian diaspora, the rich UK Indians. And then you've also got Mr. Collins, the not as rich, but like kind of, you could do really well in America comparatively, I guess, and have a big house Mm -hmm. and he's kind of full of himself. Yeah. Oh, I have a clip, by the way. I forgot. Like, I have a clip that kind of illustrates this class, this the, the different okay. kinds of class things. So for, on the one hand, we've got, like you said, Mr. Coley. And Mr. Coley's moved to America, and he's really proud of himself about what he's built there. So this is him talking about that. <laughs> I'll tell you, boss. I made a packet as an accountant. In LA. You know, the Indian community there is very professional. All doctors and computers and <laughs> not like these uneducated minicabs. 7-Eleven store types. It's ours for the taking. Anyone can become an American. Then why come back here? Ah, bada bing, bada boom. There's only one problem with America. Our girls that are born there, they've totally lost their roots. (laughs) Yeah. So that's Mr. Coley. Yeah. And he's, he's, yeah, he's kind of representing that like Mr. Collins, just like Mr. Collins in Pride and Prejudice is like wanting to suck up to Lady Catherine de Bourgh, his patroness and like, you know, kind of be associated with a higher class. Same thing with Mr. Coley name dropping wants to be seen as higher class, like sees his people who are from his same strata as being kind of lesser. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've got that tension. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the colonialist tension at the same time. Yeah. With like Darcy and being the exemplar of that. Um, Darcy in the, in the original, he's just a really wealthy English person. And in this book, even more wealthy than Balraj and Bigley. And in this book, he is a hotel magnet, son of a hotel magnet. And I actually have a scene for that too. You said yourself that you're used to the best. I'm sure you think India's beneath you. I really thought that. And why would I be thinking about buying this place? <laughs> you think this is India? Well, then you want to see more investment, more jobs? Yes, but who does it really benefit? You want people to come to India without having to deal with Indians. It's good. Remind me to add that to the tourism brochure. Isn't that what all tourists want here? Five-star comfort with a bit of culture thrown in? Well, I don't want you turning India into a theme park. I thought we got rid of imperialists like you. You've lived outside of America and mm. you've traveled and stuff. Do you think that that's kind of like common when people go on vacation? They're like, yeah, I don't want to, you know, 
I want to kind of get a taste of the culture, but I'm not living here. You know what I'm saying? So I think it really depends. It depends on the person. I think there is that tendency. And like, yeah, I think with Americans, especially, unfortunately, well, maybe not even Americans, especially like, actually, I've heard of British people being the same on holiday. And there's been the reports of, you know, even Chinese people like going to famous historical sites and like kind of doing bad things to them, you know, treating them kind of like carelessly. I think any culture where people start making a lot of money and have leisure to go abroad and go to places where there's maybe less money than their culture or that they don't respect as much as their culture for whatever reason will have a tendency to be boorish, kind of the ugly American stereotype. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I guess I was thinking about like briefly was in Brazil for a few months after college and met with another American who was looking for bagels where do we get a bagel? And I'm like, you don't, you don't get a bagel here. Like, what are you talking about? Here's a, here's the roll from the grocery store. I don't know. So, um, small things like that. Like if you're going to go somewhere, you're be prepared to not get what you get at home. Like, isn't that the point? I don't know. I mean, I think it's different when you start living in the place too, though, because I lived in Korea for seven years. And to be honest, like at a certain point, you do want a bagel because you've been there for a long time. Sure. Especially if you can't afford to go home. But I think like what's more concerning is when people start judging the other culture that they're visiting for not having those things. And I think that's a part of the tension here between Darcy and Lalita. It's like she, like he, in some cases, is just like, He's just not used to it. He's maybe having culture shock. He can't understand why he can't do his work at the hotel because maybe they have a power outage or their internet's mm. down. And like, he's sort of innocently complaining about it in his mind. But to Lolita, he sort of set himself up right from the start as thinking India is not good enough for him. So everything he says becomes kind of a trigger for her. Mm-hmm. Um, for and, and there are probably, there are tons of people who have exploited India over time. So no doubt, like you would feel sure. triggered. Like... Um, actually the Beecham house series that Gurinder Chadha is working on seems to be concerned with the East India company exploiting India. So, okay. Yeah. That gives you a little bit of historical background even, but where's yeah. that playing? What's that streaming on? Um, I believe I was watching that on prime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have too many streaming services. <laughs> Let's not, no, I don't seem that. to have enough. I'm like, Oh, I can get it here, but I can't get it there. Oh, I, need to I mean, yeah. Right, okay. Eventually it's going to cost more than cable. But um, yeah. So what? But I thought that's interesting what you're saying, though. Yeah, like this is a very common thing. But I think Darcy, with his wealth and being a hotel magnet, it just gets amplified. And in that scene, they're in a in a they're visiting a hotel in Goa, which Goa is already kind of like kind of associated with being more of an international place in a lot of ways. Like people go there for nightlife, they go there to party. It's like Cancun in a way or something. Got it's it. not really known as like an authentic place. Like Amritsar is like authentic. Sure. And so when Wickham in that same like sequence in Goa is talking about, oh, I'd love to go to Amritsar. I'd love to see this authentic culture. Like that's like catnip for Lalita. She's like, this is someone who appreciates the real India. Mm-hmm. So instead of just class, like in Pride and Prejudice, in Bride and Prejudice, we're dealing with class and culture and not even just culture among white people versus Indian people but, or Western people versus Indian people, but culture among people from the diaspora, like Balraj and, and hmm. Mr. Kohli versus Indian people living at home. Like 
how some of them have sort of tried to disown their past or disown their culture in some people's eyes. Tricky business. But she handles it so well in this movie. Yes. Don't you think? I think so. Yeah. Like it doesn't get didactic. It doesn't get like overbearing. It doesn't get like too complex. It's like, here's this really like very proud to be Indian, Mr. Bakshi and Lalita. Uh And then here are the, here's this Mr. Coley who's no longer proud of his roots. Um, Here's Balraj. who's kind of just away from them now. He doesn't disown India, but he just like, you know, he's happy in London. Right. And then here's Darcy. I don't even feel like Dr. or Mr. Coley um, is trying to separate from his roots. Well, yeah. Okay. Continue. What more were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, and then here's Darcy, who's just totally new to it. And like, Mm. maybe he isn't even aware of what his cultural blind spots are Mm. or like, you know, how he could be. I think Elizabeth, like, just like Elizabeth teaches Darcy his blind spots in Pride and Prejudice, Lalita ends up teaching Darcy his blind spots in this movie around culture. But you were going to say about Mr. Coley, what do you think in regards to him? I don't know. I just um, just think about, well, Jen, I just think about my own family, who, of course, why, um, who have, like, come over and, um, you know, have their roots still, but also want something better. You know, the American dream, mm, quote unquote. Mm. So, uh, it's, how recently well, it's just, did your family immigrate? Like my, my mom came over. Did she? My, I did yeah. not know that. My okay. mom was little. She was like five, four or five. So things with like Bride and Prejudice, Bennett, like Beckham, my big fat Greek wedding. They, yeah they all ring true and like, hi, I'm second generation or first generation, you know, American or British or whatever, but we've still got these customs and cultures and uh, older generation expectation of how you're supposed to be, but you're, you know, not the same, like the whole getting married bit. We've talked about how in small towns, like, Oh, it's, you know, everyone gets married when they're young in a small town, but then you add any kind of like, uh cultural i don't know uh once removed from your culture like you're not that far from it there's that expectation as well and i feel like a lot of them are like get married um my sis my cousin's mother-in-law <laughs> once said to my mom uh, oh i've got she comes to greece i got a boy for her I, i've got you know i can get her a, a husband over there and it's like <laughs> really <laughs> it's like no thank you I'm going to finish college here in central Wisconsin. (laughs) Wow. So that, uh, that all rings true about like trying to marry off the young women. Hmm. And that leads us into our next part about modernizing Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice actually is matchmaking. I think you were interested in that aspect. My family didn't do matchmaking. So not quite that word. I remember once my aunt and my cousin did say they used a word for it in Greek and I don't remember what it was, but kind of like, yeah, we should do that and set you up with this person or whatever. And I was, again, I'm like, don't ever do that. Don't ever try to set me up. They were going to introduce me to a priest's son who is on his way to be a priest. And I'm like, I, um, let's think about that. There, I am not going to be a Greek priest's wife. I don't speak Greek, unfortunately. I, it's I would 
I would I would be the outcast <laughs> in the community. They'd be like, oh, okay. Are there? I've never heard of like people of Scandinavian backgrounds having this kind of issue or pressure or whatever. Like, is there any like Swedish matchmaker out there? Is there, you know, there's definitely the marriage broker in Jewish cultures and things like that. I know in, in Indian cultures as well, these, you know, like arranged marriage kinds of things, quote unquote, I use that loosely. Um, well, if you look far back enough in time, though, like with Pride and Prejudice itself, it's just like, yeah, like at a certain point, marriage was about property. At a certain point, yeah. marriage was about, you know, keeping land together. Yeah. So far back enough in time, everybody was probably, I guess. Well, almost everybody was probably having some more or less arranged marriages. If you sure. were in a certain social strata anyway. Back then, but like, I wonder even like for those those cultures that maybe have did it back then, are there, is it still so like i don't know publicly in a way like so culturally accepted well i don't now. that's why that's why india is like a great matchup for this modernization right right yeah it's because it's one of the cultures where it does still happen to some degree but in a more modern way like what is uh lalita describes it it's more like a, a international dating service she describes right. it to darcy yeah well even like their friend's wedding who they go to Lalita and Jaya ask her, they're like, are you sure, you know, you want to get married to this man? You've only met him twice. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, he's nice. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like, okay. So it's not something I can imagine, but you know, like there's plenty of people who get married, who've known each other for a long time and have terrible marriages. So, you know, who knows? Like maybe they'll be fine. Yes. And they just did that show on what on Netflix, like um, where people, talked in like rooms and couldn't see each other and then got married and there's that like, oh, nine, 90 day fiance there's all these like shows yeah. that like are kind of like there's all these shows these days reality shows that are set up around the idea of just marrying someone immediately i wonder if there's like some hunger for that for some people i don't know like people are bad at meeting each other i don't know i wouldn't know how to do it like that whole like dating and all of that. I'm like, how's it work? I don't understand. Like what's happening here. You wouldn't know how I to just, date or you wouldn't know how to get married to someone right away. Well, like, I mean, I married Greg right away, but I knew him a long time. <laughs> yeah. So I just uh, wasn't sure what you were talking about there. Like, like I think dating. Oh, oh really? man. Okay. Yeah. No, stressed me out. It's just like making friends that could be something else. That's, <laughs> just think of it like that. I'm glad I don't have to think about it, actually. I'm very... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whew, it's all, you know... As they say when Harry met Sally, tell me right. I'll never have to be out there again. Yeah, That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that the, it works really well to, to move this matchmaking and like not only like the matchmaking aspect, but the way that courtship is done in India matches up very well with the Regency period where you're, you should have someone with you as a chaperone and you're not supposed yeah. to be like, you're not supposed to be getting like necessarily sexually involved. Like with the caveat that I'm not sure how well this applies to a lot of modern Indian relationships. I don't want to like put a broad, broad brushstroke about this. And India is a huge country too. Right. So with many right. different cultures in it, but like it is a culture that is generally thought to be more traditional than ours. Um, wedding traditions. So you also pointed out that in the film, you see different kinds of weddings. Um, I was just, I was interested in 
and maybe I, I think I might have missed it the first time and only kind of glimpsed it the second time where like Mr. Coley and his bride, they are, it does seem to be like they're wearing traditional wedding clothes. And then, but then there's a, there's an American ceremony and she's in white and there's like, and do you take, you know, so-and-so yeah. to be there, blah, 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 and all that. And it's like, why did they do that? I I mean, I think they're both Indian. Like why even have. Well, cause Mr. Coley's, he's like American. He's proud of being American. You know, right. he's always talking about how American everything is there. And like, also he's like working in the professional world and he probably like, you know, wants to like reach out to contacts or something, you know, we're more Westernized. I, that's my theory. I yeah. think he's, he's coded as a very, like, I want to embrace being an American character. Very good, Jen. I, I don't know. Question. Thank you. No, I think I it's right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I answered the question, but like, I, I think that's why. And maybe he thinks of it like he he's talking about India's over to Mr. Bakshi saying India's corrupt mm. or whatever. So I feel like mm. I feel like he's just really like trying to become something different in a way. And he's always using slang, too. Do you notice how he's always like using American slang like? Oh, now I can't think of examples like bring it on or like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or yeah. what else? What's, what's another example? Ah, anyway, what other kinds of weddings are there? Oh yeah. There's also, so we see some of the aspects of a traditional Indian wedding and they can last for days. So like there'll be different ceremonies each day, different parties each day. And we, I think we do see the official wedding ceremony too, with the fire and everything at one point for the, the couple that's getting married at the beginning of the movie. And then Lolita has a dream sequence mm-hmm. where she dreams about a UK wedding. Like, I don't know if this is something that appears in different Bollywood films other than Lagan, but in Lagan, there's like similar kind of imagining being part of a different culture sequences. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who's in this case, Western imagines being Indian and dancing. And then she imagines him. She's in love with an Indian man, but she's, westerner and she imagines on him looking like a westerner and it's like i don't know if this happens in a lot of bollywood movies but it's it reminded me of that also there's random like people who look from like they're from midsummer in that scene did you notice that a little bit i didn't see midsummer but i know what you're talking about yeah like those guys that look like they like were in later hosen or something later I, know. I know i'm like <laughs> what does that have to do with the uk wedding i don't know i don't know <laughs> Okay, so I think we're going to move into our spoilers okay zone. We will unleash the Kraken, as right. it were. <laughs> so um, other aspects of the modernization. So we've got the the characters. I think some of them worked super well, and some of the decisions worked super well. Like they eliminated a lot of characters, which you need to do for economy in these stories. Mm-hmm. So they eliminated one of the sisters, Kitty, which in Pride and Prejudice, Kitty basically does nothing but follow Lydia around and cough sometimes. And, right. complain, and complain about hats. <laughs> yeah, I, I so, didn't even remember. I'm like, oh, there's a fifth one. What was her name? What did she do? Yeah, so I didn't yeah. even remember. Right. Yeah. So she's gone. And they get rid of um, the aunt and uncle from Pride and Prejudice that are these sophisticated family members who are still poor, but they have good taste. They're gone. They get rid of um, Balraj is supposed to have another sister who's married to a drunk guy. Get rid of them. Good. We don't need them. And they get rid of just like a ton of soldiers and neighbors. It still feels like there's a million characters in this movie, but a lot of them are gone. Mm -hmm. So good economy choices. And then they change um, 
Darcy's mo- Darcy as a mom now, he doesn't in Pride and Prejudice. She's, she's already dead, I believe. And instead he has Lady Catherine de Bourgh character becomes his mom. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. And I think they made Kieran his sister not quite as bitchy as Caroline Bingley. Because <laughs> Caroline Bingley is so bitchy in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. And she's like supposed to be in love with Darcy. You get the idea, but they didn't really play that up in this either, which I thought was oh, a good right, decision. right, right. Because it's just another subplot. You can't have like that many subplots. Like, who are your favorite characters, or who do you think they did a good job changing? I mean, they kept the essence of the dad again so great. Mm-hmm. He does it in Pride and Prejudice, the book, and he does it in the movie where after Mister Coley proposes to Elizabeth slash. and she refuses him the mom's freaking out (laughs) the dad's like i would have i would have been upset had you said yes i think anupam kir he does such a good job as mr bennett for sure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and mr coley was my favorite translation of the character though because like Mm -hmm. he's 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 still sucking up to rich people he's still obsessed with money he still wants a traditional wife He's still rude, but he's rude in different ways because the rudeness from Pride and Prejudice wouldn't really register as well. So they have to give him other weird habits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's funny. He has really he good uh, physical comedy as well when he's dancing or walking around. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing this yep. like fast jogging at one point in one of the scenes and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. While, while the Maya, the sister who subs in for Mary, plays the sitar. So then the settings, the settings, I think, are a huge strength of this movie. Like, even though, like, as we mentioned, 70% had to be filmed in the UK and they had to make parts of the UK look like India or LA. But still, you get to see so many cool things. You've got Amritsar and the Golden Temple, which was a beautiful site. Apparently, it is the most significant site in Sikhism. And it's, it's a type of building called a Gurdwara. And that type of building has all kinds of services in addition to being a religious site. And if you go to one, it doesn't matter what religion you are, they will give you a free vegetarian meal. That's awesome. I I thought it was pretty cool. (laughs) So not only is it beautiful, you can get fed. (laughs) Yes. So if I ever do make it to India, I definitely want to see Amritsar. Amritsar is kind of functioning as the Bennett's home base in the movie. And then Goa, it's taking the place of when they visit Mr. Bingley's house in Pride and Prejudice a little bit, but it's definitely not Mr. Bingley's house. Goa is kind of like a place that's outside anyone's culture specifically. It's like in India, but there's tons of Westerners there and class differences have kind of fallen away because people want to party. So, and then Goa being the place where everybody's kind of cutting loose is where Lolita ends up meeting Wickham, who just emerges from the sea. Oh man, that was great. (laughs) Like, give me a break. This is fantastic. (laughs) And I read somewhere and I can't say for sure if this is hundred percent verifiable, but that this is a common way for an antagonist character to enter in a Bollywood film. So, Oh, an antagonist. Okay. take Take it with a grain of salt, but like, apparently that's like a common kind of trope for the, somebody to emerge out of nowhere, emerge from the sea, et cetera. So, (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. It worked for you though, huh? Oh, it's hilarious. (laughs) Yes, it did. (laughs) And then finally, like in the plot, we end up going to, so Mr. Coley um, 
gets rejected by Lolita, as we said, and Mr. Bennett's like, or Mr. Bakshi's like, good, I didn't want you to marry him. But then he gets engaged to her, to uh, Lolita's friend, Chandra Lamba, who is uh, substituting in here for Charlotte Lucas. And yeah, and they invite them to the wedding in LA. And so because of this invitation to LA and these tickets to LA, they have a stopover in London. And that is Balraj's home base. So it functions a lot like London does in Pride and Prejudice, where like they go to visit who they think they're going to see Mr. Bingley Balraj, but really they just see his sister mm-hmm. and find out that maybe he's looking for other women. Mm. London is coded as very high class and they're like literally across from the castle when they visit <laughs> London. Yeah. <laughs> now, was there like some place in London that you were trying to say that you thought it was oh, cool? The Camden Camden Gardens slash the 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 houseboat that Wickham lives on. So you go in through Camden Market, and there's a there's a lock. There's this like um, canal, and there are these just those very houseboats, and um, I just think that's a lot of fun. In my in my dream. When our daughter's grown up and we can go to London by ourselves again, my husband and I, that we would be able to stay in one of those. I just think that'd be a lot of fun. I don't know if you can't. I don't know if those are they're like Airbnb or whatever, or if they are one of them would be. There's got to be right, but I think that would be fun. That's cool. I never. So when they showed it, I'm like Camden. It's just a fun, you know, market place. Yeah. In London. So not only do they visit Balraj in London, but also at another point, we f- we catch up with Wickham, who is trying to zo- to seduce the youngest Bakshi girl, Laki, the substitute for Lydia. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Well, actually, he's not really trying to seduce her. She's kind of already seduced him. <laughs> right. But he's like messing around with someone he shouldn't be, basically. And then we spend a lot of time in L.A. And L.A. is kind of substituting for... Um, the Hunsford, which is Mr. Collins's house in um, Pride and Prejudice slash Pemberley visit, which Pemberley uh, Darcy's estate is replaced by Darcy's big hotel. And they're there for the wedding. And they're, this is where Lalita and Darcy start falling in love against all odds. And yeah. Did you like, did you like the LA sequences? I enjoyed them. Yes, I did. Um, I was trying to remember though, compared to the book, though. So like, in the bu- in the book, it's a lot quieter. Right. Like it's like it's like it's more like the the difference between their interaction is more that they're talking nicely to each other, and that Darcy's like admiring her playing the piano, or like her his sister's like complimenting her and like talking to Lilith or Elizabeth as if like, you know, Darcy's been talking a lot about her. It's more like that they're just talking in a friendly way. They don't like do anything really spectacular. Got it. Okay. Whereas Darcy's like taking her everywhere. Like, yeah. Beach <laughs> with the choir and the surf. They're at like a Mexican restaurant and then all of a sudden they're on the beach and then all of a sudden they're at the freaking Grand Canyon in a helicopter and like, whoa. <laughs> it was the best. It was fantastic. Um, Okay, got it. I was just wondering. I'm like, I don't remember such a grand courtship in the book. No. And well, it's so because that's it. it's, yeah, it's all about letters and playing the piano and these subtle, slow movements. Letters. It's basically it's like, letters and playing. No, no, he writes her this letter after. So in the book, as opposed to the movie, mm-hmm. like, because they don't really have time for that, mm-hmm. Darcy proposes to her that first time and she rejects him. Mm-hmm. And then he writes her this big explanatory letter mm-hmm. about like all these things. 
and parts of it make her like him more and parts of him make, make her angry. Like right. the part where he discouraged Bingley from marrying her sister. Right. So it, like, but, but it's really the letter changes her mind about certain things about him. And then she meets him in person again and she's prepared to see him again with new eyes. And they just do the same kind of thing. We're going to walk around. We're going to play the piano. <laughs> and then eventually like him helping the family to recover Lydia is what really does it. So in this movie, Darcy helps her family by giving her mom a first class plane seat. Yeah. When they run into e- when they somehow run into each other at the airport. Yes. <laughs> Serendipity if there ever was. Um That's could- one of my favorite things though, is when Mrs. Bakshi gets to be in first class. She's like, Me in first yep. class? Yep. <laughs> she's yep. so happy. She's drinking the champagne. She's so happy. Yep. I'm happy for her in that moment. I'm like, oh, live it up. Live it up, gal. Right? That's awesome. Yes. Yes. We need to start talking about the music and dance. Like we've already talked about. Like, so we're going to run out of time if we don't. So. <gasps> move, move. Yeah. The singing and the dancing. Because like there's so much, like you're saying, you don't remember anything like really happening between Darcy and Elizabeth very clearly. Right. Right. Like all that interiority, all those letters, all those little subtle social movements from the novel are replaced by these dance numbers and these songs. Uh So I think like for film that works really well. Like now I kind of want to see all Jane Austen's movies turned into musicals. Yes. Do it. (laughs) And also the music is very catchy. Like I don't love all the songs, but I get them all stuck in my head. I'm going to actually play though a really quick, a clip just to get us started off on the music and dance from my favorite, which is the first number. Okay. The first, the wedding dance for the friends of the family. Hey, hey! Hey, hey! What's happening now? Didn't you hey, hey! American Idol? I hope you brought your earplugs. This is great. This is what the girls tease the boys and the boys tease the girls. Brace yourself, Darcy. It's about to transform into Indian MC Hammer. What are they like? Hey, hey! Hey, hey! So great. So great. I was dancing the whole time that was on. Just now? In my chair. I was doing oh, the yeah, chair yeah, dance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Total chair dancing. And during that whole sequence, Naveen Andrews is fucking breaking it down. Oh, my God. I don't even know how he did it. I've tried to practice that dance before. Oh, my God. Granted, I'm not being paid to do it, and I don't have, like, one of the best choreographers in India helping me, but... Right. I get that one stuck in my head every time I watch the movie, and I don't know how to say the words. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. What did you think of? Yeah. What did you think of that opening number? Oh, so great. So great. I don't know what more to say. It just was like, you just hold on to your seat. This is the ride (laughs) we're going on for this film. And it's fantastic. And they said, um, it's he's saying in the dialogue, it's kind of hard to hear, but he's saying, this is where the boys tease the girls and the girls tease the boys. So they're kind of like, yeah, kind of giving little jabs at each other. Um, and I did read that there is like a tradition of this kind of dance. And then I also looked up online, like Indian wedding dance. And there's a bunch of videos on YouTube. If you go, you can see Indian weddings where people put up different dances that people choreographed and performed at their weddings. That is. Funny. I don't know if it's the same tradition or not, but like pretty wild, like some pretty elaborate ones. 
Man, that is that's that's a party. What a good time. I know, right? <laughs> My wedding didn't have that. <laughs> My husband doesn't dance, so there was nothing like that. <laughs> oh. Just, uh, you have to do it again. Second wedding. Second wedding. <laughs> anyway, that I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, the next song is called A Marriage Has Come to Town. And what was interesting to me about this song is it's like the song kind of through the process of the song, they're introducing you to Amritsar and, you know, what kinds of things, what effect a wedding has on the town. Because, of course, it's like this multi-day event. You need to order all these things. You're inviting tons of people from the town in Indian culture. And so they just go through a couple like little vendors talking about what they're going to offer. So I'll just play a small clip. No one can be at your wedding with a bad taste in their mouth. So we will supply the rasmalai. The guest won't leave without. <laughs> yeah. So they're showing the flower vendor and the Indian sweets vendor. And I guess rasmalai is like kind of like dairy and then more dairy. <laughs> I was looking up. Okay. I don't remember the exact like like the exact how they make it, but like it's like a very dairy full of dairy dessert, so it should fit right in Wisconsin, right? But yeah, what did you did that song strike you? Did you notice like all the different traditions they were trying to throw in? I didn't. Okay, I, I was all right. I guess I didn't pay I've attention. Seen this a number of times. No, I've seen this movie a number of times, so you'll see different things each time. I think There's I a was whole section. still like in awe of what was going on in the oh, film, yeah. and just like. Because there is so much happening in that one scene and all these different vendors, I'm like, whoa! I, I yeah, yeah, I think you would. I would need to see it a few times in order to like catch all these pieces. And there's ridiculous numbers of extras in that scene. That too. Like, and I guess they cast a lot of them just by like just gathering people off the street and seeing who looked like they were having the most fun dancing. That is fantastic. Like, isn't that great? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I respect that method. I think so, we would have been in that film. They would have been like, you guys are having I, fun dancing. Get over here. Well, we are, we are supposed to look like we're part of a traditional Indian street scene, so we might not have been in that scene, unfortunately. Oh, wow. If they'd done one in L.A., maybe we could have gotten into that one. Okay, yeah. well, fingers crossed for next time. <laughs> Girl can hope. So, I don't know if I have this in the correct order, but I have the next song as being, well, maybe it is, My Lips Are Waiting, which is from Ashanti, and she was a famous American singer. I don't know if she's as well known these days, but I guess she was pretty big at the time. Mm-hmm. And this is what is called in in Bollywood an item number. So it's just a song that doesn't really have a ton to do with the plot, but that a famous singer will come in and sing or another famous actress. And Gurinder Chada put that in on purpose to have kind of a Bollywood touch. But I thought it worked pretty seamlessly. It did seem like it was relevant because it takes place in Goa. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem weird to you, did it? It felt like, I mean... What's the song? My lips are waiting. It felt a little racy because everything else oh, yeah. seemed so unracy. Where I'm like, what is happening yeah. here? And then, you know, I read what was going on there. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So, but f- yes, as you've talked about Goa being this kind of, you know, party town. It's a party. That yeah, makes party sense. Place. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I guess like after, like around the time of Bride and Prejudice, a little bit after, Ashanti actually started acting in some films. And she was in um, Coach Carter, I guess. And also John Tucker Must Die, which I heard is a rom-com, but I haven't seen it. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah. All right. So, and then we move on to the next song on our list. And listen, yeah, I don't think I'm missing anything. Dola, it's called Dola Dola, but it's for the Garba, which is a stick dance. And I've read that a Garba can be associated with a wedding, but it can, it's like a circle dance and that you beat sticks together. But I've heard, you can also just do it at other times too. I, I really, I didn't lurk into this as much as I should have. It was hard to get good information like, with a, with a superficial search, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's kind of this traditional dance. And I thought that was so clever as a replacement for the kind of English country dances, mm-hmm. because just like in the English country dance scenes in Pride and Prejudice, where they're having a conversation mm-hmm. while they're dancing mm-hmm. and all this action is happening while they're dancing, the same thing happens in this Garba. Mm-hmm. Like between like switching partners and moving places in the line, they'll have these snippets of conversation between Lolita and Darcy. And then at the point where she switches to dance with Wickham, she kind of blows Darcy off for Wickham. The music changes speed and tone and everything whirls faster. Mm. And it's like, it really, it's such a good, ah, just the emotional beats are so, the emotional beats are provided by that choreography and that music, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, <sighs> I, <laughs> I just want to applaud. You're geeking out right now. And like, it's, that's what's so much fun about all this. It's like, look at what it's look at all these parts coming together to create this moment and this emotional journey. And um it's just perfect, I thought. Yeah. It's just like just the way they translated that what could be very dry. Like, not that I think Pride and Prejudice is dry, but many people do. Right. Like this kind of drawn out country dance into this short, uh, like just with a great beat mm-hmm. and like still conveying the same information. And, and using the music to do that, not even just relying on the words, but the music is doing it. So I should mention the music was, for the most part, composed by, I, I'm not 100% if I'm getting his name right, Anu Malik, okay. and arranged by Ranjit Bharat. And the lyrics for the different songs are by various people. But you can go and look up the soundtrack if you're inclined. Some great stuff on there. And we're not through it yet. <laughs> do you have a favorite out of these songs before we before we move on? I need to watch it more. I mean, I got to watch is, it is twice. There any, um, are there any that get stuck in your head? Because well, I always get yeah, stuck in no, my head. No life without wife, probably. Same. Yeah. And it's my least favorite. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I'm, glad I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not the only one with English lyrics either. So, like, that's not even why. It, oh, my God. That song. Yeah. Yeah, I, do, I don't have a clip of that, but you go ahead, keep singing. That's it. That's it. That's our next song, too. No Life Without Wife is actually the next song. Yeah. So, yeah. So, No Life Without Wife is the sisters teasing Lalita because Mr. Coley's like courting her. And they're, it's basically making fun of Mr. Coley. Yeah. And uh, apparently, Grin Chada said it was inspired by the Look at Me, I'm Sandra D scene from Greece. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Like, do you see that? Yeah, yeah, because they're they're even like some of their hair looks similar to the characters, and they're all in their PJs, like at the slumber party, and yeah, uh, you know, talking about boys and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, got a little bit of that 1950s feel, yeah, to it. Yeah, but it's I don't think it's a good song. Like of all the songs in the movie, that's my least favorite. Mm -hmm. 
like the lyrics feel kind of crammed in and it's like the background music doesn't sound as good as some of the other songs. And yet every freaking time I watch this movie, <laughs> at least a week, I, ha- I get that song on my head. Okay. And then after this, we have um, the Cobra dance. Oh my God. That's my favorite scene. If I had to like, well, I mean, I wouldn't want to only watch one scene from the movie, but like my, the one that makes me laugh the most and still, even though I've seen it a million times is this. So Maya, the Mary substitute, so in the book, Pride and Prejudice, Mary's always playing the piano badly and singing badly. So in this movie, she's not doing it badly per se. She's doing it really well, but she's just doing a weird thing. Yeah. Like she comes like like Balraj, Darcy, uh, Mr. Coley are all over at the house visiting. And Maya does this dance called the Cobra Dance where she looks like a cobra. She's got weird cobra eye makeup. Mm-hmm. And then she's dancing like a cobra. Yeah. And like striking out at the guests. That was hilarious. It, you think she's done but then she pops up again and scares the crap yes. out of everybody it was brilliant it was fantastic <laughs> and my husband was pointing out the cuts are really good too like how they cut to different like views of her face up close and then people being scared mm-hmm. and and her mom being delighted because her mom thinks it's great yeah yeah the the comic timing in that oh my god and i guess there's a tradition of these cobra style dances in bollywood film there's a scene from this movie called Nagina from 1986, which I went and watched, and it's very similar. Okay. But not as funny. It almost couldn't be. <laughs> and then we've got Take Me to Love Part 1 and Take Me to Love Part 2. And Take Me to Love Part 1 is like very emo, kind of like Lolita playing the guitar. She plays the guitar in this book, in, in this movie, instead of playing the uh, piano. Yeah, this is just Balraj leaves and Wickham leaves at the same time. And Jaya and Lolita don't hear from either of them. So this is the low point of the story. They're like, oh, we lost our, our love interests. Take Me to Love Part 2, though, takes place in L.A. And that's where we get the fabulous montage of Lolita and Darcy falling in love. And do you want to elaborate any more on what, what other wonders we see? Oh, is there in some kind of fountain... And they're at the Grand Canyon all of a sudden. And then they're on the beach and these surfers start. They're they're the lifeguards, actually. Yeah, like Baywatch. Baywatch lifeguards (laughs) with the orange and and the things. And then a choir, a huge choir on the beach. And I'm like, where did all this come from? It was fantastic. Yeah, the gospel choir starts singing the song in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, what? Yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> it wasn't too much for you? It wasn't too over the no, top? No, I loved every minute of it. Bring oh, it. Cool. <laughs> I think the first time I saw it, it was a little over the top for me, but then I just accepted yeah. it in subsequent viewings. Like the first time I saw this movie, actually, I think I liked it less mm-hmm. than I do now. If that, I get it. I don't know why. Because mm-hmm. like you said, it's not too over the top for you. And Yes, to be honest, I'm like, why in the world? But very quickly was like, eh, why not? And and just went with it. So yeah, I think that's kind of the key here. Just go with it and have the best freaking time. Like, <laughs> yes, I want all those things. I want the beach and the Grand Canyon all at once in one scene <laughs> and with my gospel choir. 
Do it. Then you need Bollywood movies in your life for sure. <laughs> this like they will definitely be scenes in Bollywood movies where you're like, "What? Where, where did this come from?" And you're like, "Yes, okay, I'll fine, I'll go with it." That makes me happy. Yeah. I'm I'm like I don't know, bored or disillusioned with Western, like just the same plot points and the same structure for every movie. And I'm like, okay, okay. And so just, I need a little mix up, mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what we're trying to do on every round. Yes, we're going to mix it up mix a little bit. Up. We're going to have different kinds of movies every week. Let's do it. <laughs> so apparently also one note, I saw some deleted scenes and there were actually deleted scenes where Martin Henderson, who plays Darcy was singing. Wild. And I'm glad it is good that they cut them though. <laughs> Sorry. Mm-hmm. No. Because he's not the best singer, and he also looks kind of funny when he's singing. And also, you just don't expect Darcy to be singing as a character, right? You know, it's, it's like odd. It's like he's supposed to be taciturn and like you know whatever. It kind of seemed sort of like a Disney movie when he was singing, though, because one of the scenes they're at the Grand Canyon and he starts singing. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was getting I was getting Disney vibes from that. Anyway, awesome. So let's see. I think we covered some of these things in the random facts section. So let's just, we'll just really quickly talk about our favorite scenes and our double feature ideas before we end the the cast today. So favorite scenes go. Well, I loved it when they showed Camden market and the, and the boats there. That was great. That just made me happy because I've been there. Um, The movie theater fight scene. Oh yeah. Can you explain what's happening for the audience? um, the Lydia character has run off with Wickham and um, Mm -hmm. Darcy comes by to talk to Lolita and she's like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, he tells her why he hates Darcy or why he hates Wickham. Wickham. Um, Do you want me to tell that? Is it okay? Spoil. You can go Because he got um, Georgie pregnant when she was 16. So, Mm -hmm. um, so they, so Darcy and Lolita go running to try to find um, her sister and Wickham before it's too late. And so you get to see the London eye, which I've also been on. That's a lot of fun. Um, And, and they catch up to them in a movie theater. And so, you know, Wickham gets away from Darcy just a little bit and he winds up getting right in front of the screen of the movie theater. And so their fight moves are the same fight moves that are going on on the film, on the movie. And it's that cracked me up. I loved it. Um, I think that was really clever too, actually. I feel like I've seen it somewhere else. Like it was an homage to something else and I don't remember Hmm. what. Ah. You might be right, but I I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else? The Wick- Wickham emerging from the waves. Hilarious. <laughs> um, and then at the very end, when Lolita is ready to like totally love Darcy and whatnot, she sees him at the end at a wedding and, and they're the, you know, drummers for the wedding and there's Darcy banging on a drum. It just kind of cracked me up. Yeah. That made me happy. It's kind of like embracing her culture by like yeah yeah, movie. but he he looked funny doing it. I don't know. <laughs> he, he did Martin Henderson. I'm sorry, but like Martin Henderson is the only one that sometimes seems a little out of place. But I guess if you're playing Darcy, it's okay. To I guess what, well, with the character Darcy just feels like such a. I mean, he's this upper class 
strong person and this and this Darcy or yeah kind of seemed a little I don't know not as strong I guess is what I'm trying to say I don't want to be too critical Mm. because I just don't think that's nice I don't I don't (laughs) we're not famous enough for Martin Henderson to listen to our podcast probably so but yeah okay (laughs) and then I I don't I don't want to um actually spoil the end the uh, well i love the ending credits because at least in yeah. Bennett, like beckham they do like the behind the scenes and they do the crew and everybody's singing the same song and it just cuts to all these different um moments of the film and people working on it and having a really good yeah. time oh yeah i want to work on a yeah. great film so bad now it looks like it's like so much fun yes let's do it just, <laughs> everybody's like laughing making yeah. jokes yeah it's great and you you noticed and i did not see this but you said harvey weinstein was actually in the credits sequence i did not actually see yeah. that but you saw so Ooh. i i looked that up then i looked that up and i found this piece of um very disturbing thing which is that the new york daily news said that weinstein actually at one point asked uh, ashwarya rise um agent at the time whether he could meet alone with her and the agents like, like knew about his reputation and knew it was a skeevy ask. And he's like, you yeah, know, fuck off. And I'm like, go Ashwarya Rai's agent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the, I guess the Weinstein company did um, distribution in the U S but it was a UK mm. film. So mm-hmm. yeah, he didn't really have any, you know, right or ability to, you know, control Ashwarya Rai Bachchan. Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's just a stain on so many great films. and Well, I try not to think of it that way. I mean, like, because like with any film, you've got so many people involved in the film. And like, I don't want him to ruin that. Yes, you know what I mean? I, I hear you. I don't, I don't want him to ruin all those people's work, including the work of the people that in many cases he was abusive towards. Like their work is in those films too. Right. So I mean, right. I'm not going to yeah. stop watching any of those films because of the very reasons that you said there are tons of other people who um yeah it's their work and it means and this film actually has very little to do it does have very little to do with him but he was there i i yeah i i even wonder if like there's different versions of the credit sequence and maybe that's on the u.s version but not on the uk version i don't know sure that makes sense yeah your favorite scenes do anyway tell tell well, the Cobra yeah. dance, which I mentioned. Oh my God, the Cobra dance. I laugh just so much every time I see that. The opening dance wedding number at the mm-hmm. wedding. I could never, I could just watch Naveen Andrews dancing, like the opening sequence of that dance over and over again. Like it would just make me happy and energized. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> like, check it out. <laughs> and um, and, uh, and, the, and the, the sequence where you just see the random gospel choir on the beach, it just exemplifies how over the top things are. So let's uh, let's get into our double feature ideas. So what we usually do for this is like I'll tell one, you tell okay. one. I'll tell one, you tell. In case we have some overlap. Okay. So my first double feature idea, and this is quite an ask, but would be to watch the entire six-hour-long 1995 BBC version of Pride and Prejudice. I'm doing it. <laughs> it's on Hulu with this streaming. One. But you've seen it already, it's been right? Years. It's been it. years. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can't see it really enough times. I've seen it so many times I can quote some of the dialogue. It's Excellent. ridiculous. Because um, to me, that's the de- the definitive version. Like, usually I do not advocate reading, watching things instead of reading things. But if you really don't want to read Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, 
you would get about the same experience watching the BBC six hour series. It's that good. It's that faithful. So, yeah. Um, I said definitely bend it like Beckham. Any, any more, any more explanation why just because it's going to, yeah. And I feel like you get some more of her own personal, I I know the themes of like just wanting to do something different from your culture. And in the commentary for that one, she talks about, her dad being really supportive of her and um, the dad and Bennett like Beckham is also really supportive of his daughter who wants to, you know, be a footballer and um, not do everything the traditional route or what have you. So it's, it's fun. It's a great, great flick. I didn't know that about her dad. Yeah. I mean, that's from the commentary. That's how I learned it, but it really just, it, and it's really, really lovely, just like how much she loves her dad and how like sounds like such a great guy. <laughs> it's really sweet, really lovely. That's mm-hmm. cool. I will have to see the commentary for that sometime. That'd be interesting. My my second recommendation would be Monsoon Wedding by another Indian director, Mirinair. Yep. And that is currently on Criterion Ooh, Channel. Rad. So yeah. Along with, by the way, a bunch of Miranair's um, documentary, shorter documentary films. By shorter, there's everything from like 12 minutes to like an okay. hour. Like just a bunch of interesting documentaries she made in India mainly. And yeah, I like her a lot. Like, like I didn't realize like how many films Gurinder Chada had made though. So I'm going to definitely like watch more of those too. But Miranair is another great female director to mm-hmm. check out. And Monsoon Wedding also gives you a flavor of like what Indian weddings are like like the, the scale of them, the scope. Yeah. It's a good one. Very good. I put Moulin Rouge a little bit, maybe. Nice. Um, because like their own production tries to have some like, you know, Indian influence oh. in it's dancing and stuff like that. So yes. Spectacular, yes, spectacular right. as it's mm-hmm. themes. It's been too long since I watched that. Yeah. And it's another movie about love, love and, and just, and, dancing singing and like colors and um kind of over the top ness if you want that vibe that's got it and then for to finish up mine i would say i'm going to try to put in the show notes the tamil version which is another indian language tamil version of sense and sensibility which i really wish i'd written the whole title in here i didn't show notes but uh, which also has ashwarya raibachan in it and I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to see that. And another movie I haven't seen yet, but I really want to see yet is Gurinder Chadha did a movie called It's a Wonderful Afterlife. And I haven't been able to find it streaming. I may need to find a way to get it on DVD because it looks hilarious. It's like a mother trying to set up her daughter to get married. And like she, her, I, this isn't a spoiler. It's in the trailer. Her mother ends up murdering people for some reason in, in, the, in the quest of trying to get her daughter Whoa. married. And so then these, the spirits of these dead people are also then trying to help the daughter get married for some reason. Like it just looks bonkers in a good way. So <laughs> excellent. I totally want to see this. I have to find out how to get it. Uh, my final recommendation is a book, um, Longborn by Joe Baker. It's told from the servant's perspective of Pride and Prejudice. And cool. that is really clever and interesting. And what, I think what's, it's very that part's interesting. The clever part is when she brings in Elizabeth and Darcy and like those people and how just 
they felt so real to me. And I, I just really appreciate from the angle of the servant what the what those people look like and sound like. And it was it was really lovely. And I recommend. So that sounds Longboard, awesome. Longboard is their house, the Bennett House. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I've never heard of, I've never heard of that book though. That's and awesome. it's written by Joe Baker. Cool. Um, I will definitely be checking that out. Do this year. it between between the numerous movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sometimes you want to read instead, for yeah. sure. Okay. Well, any final thoughts today before we wind it up? Watch this one. Watch Bride and Prejudice. It's so good. <laughs> Oh, next week, though, I'm excited. 10 Things I Hate About You. Yep, we're going to have a Shakespeare modernization from Taming of the Shrew. And why are you excited about it? I just really loved it. Really loved it. Okay. And it's just, it's just kind of one of those 90 flicks from when we were younger. That's just, yay. I wonder, I haven't seen it in ages, so I wonder how I'll feel about it now. Yeah, we'll find out. All right, everyone, if you want to give us feedback, uh, again, once again, feedback at everyromcom.com. And you can always check out the podcast at everyromcom.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we will not see you, but we will talk to you next week. (laughs) 